What's up, guys? This is episode 26. Um, this is of Stone and Clay with Taylor Church. We got a solo episode today. I'm going to be answering a bunch of questions. Um, we're live here on Instagram in case you're a wild night owl like me and you're looking to get weird. Um, so, yeah, I have about 10 questions I'm going to answer. Um, I had a lot of really insightful, interesting questions from my Instagram story that I wanted to answer. So, we're going to get into it. But first, I want to tell this story. It is, it's at least really funny in my head. There's a chance it's not actually funny, but in my head, it's it's really funny. Um, let me make sure I have the right words in my head. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Um, okay, so you guys know I'm a waiter. So... I'm waiting tables the other night, and this couple comes in, and this happens every once in a while. It's not super frequent, but every once in a while, somebody will come in, and they're already a mess. They're they're drunk, or they're they're high. They're just they're in a bad spot, right? And this lady comes in. She's looking a little worse for wear. And if I had to guess, I would say she was on some wild methamphetamines. Um, she was falling asleep. She was. Her eyes were given out. Her skin was bad. She was she was in a world of pain. Um, and her husband was, or, you know, her significant other was there. And he looked like he probably dabbled in the dark arts, but I don't think he was high. She was definitely high. Um, anyway, she kept falling asleep literally in her food. She had, like, a big, like, 16-ounce ribeye, and she kept just... She was so tired, her face would literally hit the slab of meat. Um, and that alone was amusing. But the funny part was they kept arguing and bickering back and forth about something. And I kept trying to kind of get near so I could hear what they were squabbling about just because it was humorous. Um, <laughs> and he was starting to get embarrassed. He, but he was getting pissed embarrassed. There's normal, like, awkward embarrassed, and then there's pissed embarrassed. Usually it's, like, parents when their kids are acting wild, they get pissed embarrassed. But um, he was like, you know, he's like, Every everyone can see, everyone can see. Because uh, she just kept falling asleep in her food. <laughs> and, um, and most of the time, half the time, her face would be in her meat, and he'd be, like, on his phone playing Candy Crush. So they obviously had a beautiful connection but I'm walking by and I hear I hear him say something like he's like when you get like this you just lie about everything every, every single thing you say is a lie and um, every time you get like this <laughs> and to me the funniest part of what she said that was so hilarious is she just looks at him and she goes not really. <laughs> Just like, that is the most disrespectful thing you can say when somebody's accusing you of something disturbing, something heinous. Is just, not really. <laughs> and then, you know, she went back to falling asleep in her meat. She later would tip me $2 on a $70 bill um, and did the math wrong. And she left with her purse he left early because he was pissed. She left with her purse 
And then she came back about five minutes later and said, hey, where's my purse? I think I left my purse here. And I said, no, you you walked out with, with your purse. So that was pretty funny. Um, and again, as I'm saying it, it doesn't sound as funny as it actually was, but just just her her disrespectful answer um, from the accusation of just saying not really <laughs> was my absolute favorite. Um, okay, I'm gonna dive into this. Like I said, I got a bunch of good questions, so I'm gonna get into them. Um, the first question was best and worst hotel experiences. Um, I think most people know I travel a decent amount when I can. Obviously, I haven't traveled much this year. Um, this year, I actually did make a fun little trip to the south, but didn't stay. Stayed in one one hotel. We were mostly crashing on people's couches and stuff. But um, so I'm going to start with my worst hotel experiences. Um, those kind of stand stand out a little more. The first one was in Denver, Colorado, and me and me and two buddies went to see a college basketball game. It was like it was back in the day, it was it was BYU's heyday with Jimmer and they were in the Sweet Sixteen or something like that. And we uh we got the hookup with tickets or something, so we drove down there and decided to uh just last minute go see this game. And we were young and careless and didn't really think, oh, there's a college basketball game in town. We should probably book a hotel ahead of time. We were just so young and stupid. We're like, eh, we'll figure it out when we get there. So we get there, and there's there's nothing open. We we call probably 15 different hotels, motels. There's, there's no openings. Um... Or, you know, we'll find one that's like, you know, a presidential suite or, you know, something wild we can't afford. And so finally we get this place. It's in downtown Denver. Pretty, I mean, I don't really know Denver. I don't know if there's any extremely sketchy spots, but it felt like a pretty sketchy spot. And I think it was $39 a night, which tells you enough. But we get in there. There's three of us, mind you. Um, there's one, there's one bed. It's probably a double. Um, and under the bed, no joke, there's probably 50 to 75 cigarette butts. Um, which is fine. You know, we're not sleeping under the bed. It's not a big deal, but it gives you, it kind of paints a picture for you what kind of motel this is. And, um, and the door, the door had a lock but it was so like i don't know if it was unhinged or loose or whatever but it was so unsturdy whatever you want to call it that you could just pull it even when it was locked and it would open so that was a little disconcerting when you're in somewhat of a less than safe neighborhood we'll say um and so we went, you know, three grown men. We went three deep on this tiny little bed. Didn't smell great. The sheets were fairly yellow. Um, and, you know, we, we made it. It was fine. But uh, 
yeah, that was definitely one of my worst motel experiences, but it doesn't take the cake. The worst hotel experience I've ever had, and honestly, looking back, it's kind of a fun little memory, but I'm with my buddy Spencer. We're in Chicago, and kind of a similar thing. We didn't do great with booking ahead, and so we ended up staying um, in like a Motel 6 or Motel 8 or whatever. And it wasn't the worst, you know, it's like 50, 60 bucks a night, whatever. You you get what you pay for, you know. There's, you know, lots of chipped paint and you got to hold down the handle for it to flush all the way. The water comes out really slow. Hot water doesn't last very long, you know, that kind of stuff. But you're not there for the lavish experience. You're there because you're feeling cheap. And so we go there and at about 5 a.m., and mind you, you know, we're up pretty late chilling, talking, getting food, whatever. So we probably went to bed at like 2 or 3. At 5 a.m., we get pounding on the door, and it is the police. And they're screaming. They're saying, hey, get your things, get your keys, your wallet, your phone, and get out now. There's a gunman on your floor. And so, you know, when you're woken up with that message, it's hard to really, like, I've told some people and people are like, holy cow, were you terrified? And I was like, not really, just because I didn't really have time to be terrified. I just, uh, you know, you get this, this emergent message and you just act. And so, yeah, we got our stuff. And, uh, you know, threw on some pants and, and we were kind of escorted outside in the parking lot. And they basically said like, you should leave. (laughs) And so we, uh, and dude, who knows what that meant? There's a gunman on your floor. You know, I don't know if they had someone detained in a room and we're just being extra careful. I don't know if they were looking for the gunman and they assumed he was on our floor or they got word he was on our floor, or somebody said, hey, homeboy's got a gun, come check it out. I don't know. But when you hear there's a gunman on your floor, it's it's a good time to put on a pant and leave. And so that's what we did. And um, it, really, it really wrecked the morning for me, I'll admit it. We went to McDonald's, got an early uh, sausage egg McMuff. Um, but then we went back, And that was our last day in Chicago. And so we were about to fly out. I think our flight was at like three or four or something. But by the time we went back, you know, because we we wanted to chill out for a bit. So we like slept for an hour or two in McDonald's parking lot. And then we went back and the coast was clear. But now it's like a half hour before checkout or something like that. Maybe it was an, maybe an hour or two, but we wanted we wanted full rest, and so <laughs> I go to the counter and I'm like, "Hey, um, we're gonna require a very late checkout. Our flight is we're gonna leave here at like three, and so our checkout's gonna be at three, not eleven thirty or whatever." And they're like. Well, you have 11.30 is 
is okay, but 12 o'clock late checkout. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you remember there's a gunman on our floor? They're like, yes, but 12 o'clock late checkout. And, you know, sometimes when people don't, when English is not their first language or when they're very, like, they're in a robotic position of customer service, they just get on repeat. They just say the same thing over and over again, um, even if I say different things. Um, that's what was happening. And so <laughs> I, I don't remember what I said exactly, but... I think I said the word litigious. I think I said, listen, I really have no interest in getting litigious, but there was obviously a man on our floor with firearms. We were asked to be escorted out of our room in the middle of the night. Um, we got a we got a flight later today. We need rest. So we'll be in our room till three. We're not paying for a late checkout. <laughs> and walked away. And... We didn't get charged for a late checkout. So moral of the story, if there's firearms on your floor and you're asked to leave the hotel, you know, try to try to get a few extra hours out of the place. I guess some people would probably just be like, screw that, I'm not going back to this sketchy hotel. But it really wasn't that sketchy. There was just a sketchy dude there. But he was... You know, he was taken care of, so I was trying to get some rest. Um, so, yeah, those were, I think, my worst hotel experiences. I'm sure I've had some other weird ones, but my best hotel experience... Um, I've been to a couple lavish hotels. I don't think I have any wild stores necessarily. I stayed in a really nice one in New Orleans, and I said... Um, or I stayed in a I stayed in the Waldorf Historia in Manhattan. That was really nice. Um, Chris commenting to some people on Instagram live. Um, I already told that story about the one in Denver. It was it was wild. My buddy Chris was with us. Um, the the other thing I didn't mention, we went to you know we checked in in that little motel in Denver. We checked in, and then me and my buddy went to get some snacks at a gas station, and we came back, and my buddy, my other buddy stayed behind and just was like, wanted to go to sleep. And we barged in and screamed just to, just to scare him. And he was extremely scared. <laughs> so that was, that was a good time. Um, yeah, best hotels... Yeah, I think I think probably the Waldorf Historia or whatever lavish one I went to in New Orleans. Um, yeah, those were pretty dope. I don't come from wealth, but I've 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 had some some friends that have some money and some good hookups and some good some good things that have happened. So um, it's always nice to to be in a really nice hotel. Okay, next question. Changing topics. Um, the question is, what are you writing right now? And it's a good question. It's a, I'm always a little bit vague with what I'm currently working on just because um, 
I don't know. I just like it to be... Well, first of all, I kind of like it to be a surprise. I like it to just just come out with a finished product and people don't kind of know what to expect. But also, sometimes I don't really know what it is until it becomes something. And so sometimes when it's in its weird early embryonic stages, I just don't really like talking about it, even with like my close friends or... Um, people I trust it's not an issue of trust it's just like it could change so much between now and later it could I could abandon it I could completely I don't want to say give up because I don't really give up on my writing but sometimes it just is just dead in the water and it's you know you just you've been trying something and that's not working and so you're just like well I'm gonna scrap it and you know do do something else and so, for instance, right now I'm working on my fourth book, which is also a novel. Um, I have a title in my head, but again, that's not something I share with people until, like, I'm ready to announce the book. Um, and that could change. That could change a million times. But it is, um, if you've read my last novel... It's not related or similar, but the style and genre is probably fairly similar. It's just kind of, and this might not even tell you very much unless you're very into books, but it's just kind of literary fiction, realist, um, a little bit metafiction at times, but mostly just kind of straightforward literary fiction, which basically means it's not... Genre fiction is like, you know, a detective story or a wizard, you know, magic sci-fi story or a western. It's it has a specific genre. Whereas literary fiction is just it's more character driven than it is plot driven. It's more about um painting a picture than describing, you know, crazy events that happened. I don't know if that makes sense. Sometimes I tell people that my book, my my fiction is like um, the book form of, of an indie film. Um, you know, a lot of these indie films, they're really, really good. But at the end, it's like, how do you summarize it? You're just like, well, there's this dude and then he met this girl. But it was also about like his roommates. And then it kind of like flashback to his childhood and then him and the girl got more serious, but it wasn't really about them. But it also was about his career, and it's just kind of following characters, right? That's kind of what my fiction is like and what it's about. And this next book will be similar, but the main difference, I guess, for right now, because I'm like a few pages in, and I'm working a lot on like, character notes and ideas and, and stuff, even though I've had like three pages for months, I've, I've been working on other extraneous parts of the book that I'll add later. But, um, I guess the main like difference is I want my main character to be a female. Um, so my main character is a female, but I haven't even got to her yet. I'm like, setting the stage, setting the scene, 
creating a world, not creating a world like science fiction, but I'm creating a, a locale, a geography, a time. And it's more complicated than than it than you realize, I guess. So that's what I'm working on, but I'm always working on other little things to kind of keep me happy, keep me motivated. Um, a lot of times, like I want to write every single day, but sometimes I just, I got nothing with, with my novel or my whatever big thing I'm working on, but I can always go and kind of work on an essay or work on, um, you know, just writing about a thought and it kind of turns into an essay or turns into an article or turns into a little poem, you know. So I like to dabble in the short form as well, you know, concurrently with whatever big thing I'm working on. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Um Okay, next question. A few of these other questions are writing-related, too. Um, somebody asked me, would you make a poetry book? And the short answer is maybe. Um, I do write a decent amount of poetry, but it's really not my forte. It's really not my thing. I enjoy it, but I don't. I don't think I'm especially good at it. I just sometimes have these little thoughts and want to get them out, but I don't want to write a whole thing. I just kind of want to burst out a little idea and have it be kind of poetic and kind of melodic and lyrical, but I don't really care because I don't really plan on anyone reading it any day and so or any time. And so for me, that's a little bit cathartic in and of itself. But um, but who knows? One day maybe I'll compile, you know, a book of poetry with all the things I'm most proud of, even if I don't think they're amazing. Like, um, you know, maybe someday people would want to read those. But for now, you know, I have a lot of like, I have a bunch of poems about like girls I've written, like, <laughs> um that I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want anyone to read these. Like, I don't like this girl's long married. This girl totally just told me to go to hell. This girl, I stopped liking three days after I wrote this poem. Like, so they're interesting for me to have, but I don't know that I'm ready for them to be out in the world. Um, and again, they're not very good. So, so maybe when I'm like 98, I'll be like, you know what? Screw this, I'm putting out my poems. I got a, I got a big stack. It's time for the world to read them. I don't care anymore. Um, next question, would you write a movie? Um, I would definitely write a movie, but I don't know that I, at the present time, have that skill set. It's very different to do screenwriting than just like novel writing. Even though a lot of novels are adapted to films, a lot of times... Most of the time, actually, when a novel is adapted to film, they bring in a screenwriter. They don't just like, bring, they don't even bring in the novelist. Sometimes they bring them in to help, but usually they have a, a completely different person to kind of navigate that transition. And so 
that goes to show you it's a very different beast. Um, and so someday maybe, but I would have to, I would have to kind of get trained in the art because I don't, I've never really dabbled and I love movies. I love TV. So that, in, that, that aspect interests me. Um, and I watch movies and TV in a different way than most people. I think I watch them like a writer would, like I'm very interested in dialogue and the writing. And so some movies that people hate, I'm like, well, dude, it was great writing. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't care that so-and-so died or that this happened and this wasn't resolved. Like it was good writing. Um, so again, maybe someday, but it's not super on my radar right now. Um, and to kind of go along with this, with this theme, someone asked, would you write songs? And I guess, um, it's, it's a kind of similar answer to the poetry in the movies because I have written a lot of lyrical things, a lot of poetic things, but not for the express purpose of, Hey, I like, I want someone to play this song. I want this to be made into a song. I think... I think like if I married a musician, I think I would probably like show her my stuff and be like, hey, no pressure, but if you like this, maybe you could include it in a song. But I think it would take something like that for me to actively try and sit down and write song lyrics because I have no other musical gifts. I can, you know, I can't play the guitar, I can't play the piano, I can't play anything. And again, like movies and TV, I love music. I'm crazy about music, but I don't have any any musical gifts, really. Um, so again, maybe someday. We'll see. Um, okay, I think that's kind of it for the writing section. Sorry if that was uh, a bit of a bore. If, uh, if you don't really care about my literary aspirations. Um, Let's see, <laughs> and I might, actually that's not the end of it, there's some other writing related stuff, but uh, but that's who I am, baby, so get on board. Um, this question is good, this question is, what is a dream you have made a reality? And sometimes I have trouble answering questions because I don't want to be oversimplistic, but I also don't want to be needlessly deep and philosophical. And so sometimes I just kind of, to me, it's a balancing act of trying to get in there somewhere in between where it comes out semi-cogent and interesting. Um, so with that one, I feel like I've had a lot of dreams that I've made a reality. But for me, a lot of my dreams are small, you know. And it's like, when does a goal and an aspiration become a dream? That to me, that's that's where it gets a little murky because do you just say, well, my biggest goals and my biggest aspirations, those are my dreams? Or is it things that are way down the road, those are my dreams? Or is it the kind of the finality of things? Like at the end of the road, eventually I want to accomplish this. Is that the dream? Because people accomplish their dreams at all stages of their lives, right? So it can't really be that. Um you know, for me, one of my dreams was to write a book, and I, I did it. I accomplished that dream. Um, but I also have a dream to, you know, fully make a living off of my writing, and I'm not 
fully currently doing that right now. And so, um, you know, part of my dream is realized, part of it's not. Um, it was a dream of mine to play college basketball. Didn't realize it, but, um, but I loved the journey. I tried, um, I don't really feel like I failed. I just wasn't as good as a lot of other people. And eventually it, it became not the most important thing in my life. And so I didn't pursue it above all else. Um, and some dreams, some dreams kind of, it's not that they die, but that they kind of just change and morph into something else. And that's okay. I don't think you need to like feel ashamed that you gave up on your dream or you abandoned your dream. But sometimes a dream just kind of comes to a dead end and you realize, well, this wasn't, this isn't my dream. It, it maybe used to be, but it's not anymore. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of dreams, a lot of things I want to accomplish and a lot of things I've already accomplished, but you know, it was a dream of mine to start a podcast and here we are. But again, it's also a dream of mine to have a very, very successful podcast. And, um, unless you share this with every person you have ever known and will ever know, then we're not highly successful yet. Um, so it wouldn't kill you to, you know, go track down every person you've ever met and make them listen to every single episode I have. It's not a big deal. Just do it. Um, okay. I'm going to skip this next one and circle back. Um, this next question, absolute favorite place of all time. That's hard because I've, I've traveled quite a bit. I've been to 18 countries, 48 states, you know, I've lived in 18 cities, two countries, you know, I've, I've been around quite a bit. Um, you know, I have friends that have traveled a lot more than me, but it's more than most people, right? So I've been to a lot of places and I've come to know that I'm very happy in a lot of places. It is much more dependent on the people I'm with than the geography. Um, you know, it's, it's much more dependent on my state of mind going in than it is what I find there, you know. So, again, this could be a, a kind of needlessly philosophical question because could a favorite place be, like, my grandma's house when all my family was together and... It was just special and cozy and I just have wild memories. Or is it like, well, yeah, that's great, but it's, you know, it's a house in Pleasant Grove. You know, that's not it. Um, it's got to be like exotic. It's got to be like the beaches on in split Croatia. Um, so I don't know. I have a lot of favorite places and... I'm not a believer in favorites being absolute and definitive. A lot of people kind of like to establish their favorites, whether it's favorite song or favorite movie or book or whatever, and they just won't ever change it. And that's fine, but I think you need to be open to your favorites changing. And 
kind of not laminating your your lists, so to speak. But um, I don't know. I have a, I have a special place in my heart for Brazil. You know, I lived there for two years, and I wouldn't want to. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny I say that, but um, I'd rather live in America than Brazil. So it's like, is America my all-time favorite place? Well, that's quite the, like, boring statement. <laughs> I mean, it's patriotic, but it's kind of boring. Um, so I don't know. I'm not doing a good job at answering this question, but I'll tell you what. Usually, I just, I love going to new places. That's kind of my jam. Like, even if it's not especially sexy, I love going to some place and the restaurants are new, the views are new, the people are new, everything's new. It just, it gets me all warm and fuzzy. Um, okay, next question. Ooh, this one gets a little bit morbid. So that's kind of exciting. Um, this person said, uh, ever think about how you will die? And if so, hold on. Um, ever think about how you will die? And if so, how do you want to die? Um, <laughs> I, um, I would say I do think about death. Not an unhealthy amount, but, and I don't, um, I don't fixate on it. I'm not especially scared of death I'm not especially anxious about it or you know overthink it I guess I just think about a lot of possible scenarios and so and in thinking about death I'm really thinking less about my own mortality and my own existential like well-being I'm more thinking about my legacy and what I'm leaving behind and what kind of footprint I left on the earth. Um, and so that's the kind of thing I think about if like, if a thought kind of crosses my mind, like, oh man, what if I like get in a car accident today and die? Or like, you know, you hear about somebody passing away or somebody's, you know, you hear about somebody's parent passing away and you know, even if you don't know them very well, your heart kind of sinks a little bit. And you think, oh my gosh, what if my parent, like one of one of my parents passed away? Like, holy cow, what kind of spot would I be in? And then you think like, well, or you hear about somebody your age passing away and you think, oh my gosh, what if that was me? Like, how would my siblings feel? How would my friends feel? And so that's when I get introspective and I think I try to I try to live my life in a way that I'd be comfortable dying at any moment if that makes sense. Um, and I would be okay with it. I'd be at peace. You know, I, wa I want to feel like if at any moment I'm given a terrible diagnosis and I have a month to live or, you know, I have a wild brain tumor and I have a few days to live maybe, of course, it's going to be scary and it's going to be upsetting and really hard to deal with. But I want to ultimately feel at peace and be like, you know what? Okay. Like, 
of course there's things left undone, left unsaid, there's things on the table, but you know, no matter what stage of life you're in, but I want to be at, you know, somewhat of a peaceful state. And I think that's how I try to live my life. I don't know how well I succeed, but you know, I want to be able to not be afraid of death and I want to be afraid of not living. You know, that's, that probably sounds like overly axiomatic, but, um, that's how I feel. Um, I guess the, uh, the sub question there, do you ever think about how you will die? Um, and in all those, you know, kind of, you know, brain wonderings, I've, I've thought about it and I, I tend to just think for whatever reason, I'm going to die as a really, really old man. Like when I'm 107, um, even though, you know, it's probably not the best quality of life. I just want it. I just want every, every ounce of life that I can get, you know, because the longer I'm here, the more people I can help, more people I can touch, more freaking great grandkids I can have. And so I, I want it all. I want all the years. But, you know, if I go, I go. And so I've, I've considered a lot of scenarios. Um, I've thought about dying in a plane crash. I've thought about dying of cancer. Um, I guess just because I want to be prepared mentally. If, if, like, I'm in a plane and it starts going down, I don't want to have never had that thought cross my mind. Um, I, want to, I want to go down semi-peacefully. I don't want the last moments of my life to be absolute sheer terror and chaos and panic and mania, you know. Of course, that'll, that'll be your initial reaction, but I want it to be, whew, okay, you know, give me, give me a second to kind of hop onto this reality, but then, all right, you know, I've, I've considered this, I've considered this as a possibility before, so now it's happening. It's not impossible. It's not a you know statistical anomaly. Bad things happen all the time, every day. So I shouldn't be impervious to all bad things. Um, next question. Um, oh, we're nearing the end. Okay, this question, what keeps you going each day? Hope for a better day, love, God, potential, sex? Um, <laughs> these are good questions. Um, sex is not one of them because I don't have that currently, um, as far as I know. Um, but I guess you could break that down and say, you know, am I motivated by sex, meaning the opposite gender, you know, the, the desire to procreate, the desire to come into union with another soul at some point. Um, and still the answer is, is no. Um, but really, really the, uh, the full answer it, to what keeps you going each day is a lot, a lot of things. Um, 
I per and I'm not preaching this as you know the way to live your life, but for me, a lot of like I I struggle to live my life only for one or two things, um, even if they're extremely important. Like even if it's you know live your life for God and your family, and that's it. It's like well that's that's great in theory, and of course those things will always be at the forefront, but. There are going to be days where, like, not that I don't care about God, but where I just, uh, a faith in God, a faith in the afterlife, you know, a hope in things to come, a religious um, kind of root system, is just isn't enough to keep me going. Um but it's part of it, right? It's not that it's it's not that it's reduced to nothing. It's just not enough every hour, every day, all the time. And so for me, I need lots of motivators, lots of little things to keep me going, lots of little things to bring me joy and happiness. And a lot of them can be connected to bigger things, you know, whether they're connected to religion or God or family, you know, um, because to me, like, friends are extremely important. But you could branch friends into your family, you know? And you could say, okay, you know, the human race or people make me happy, right? Um, you know, love keeps me going. But what does love entail? Love is, you know, you love God. You love your family. You love your friends, and then you can take it one step further. You love your work. You love your passions. You love your art. You love the New England Patriots. You love tennis, especially on clay. You love anime. You know, whatever it is, those things keep you going. Your passions keep you going. Um, potential, you know. Um, potential is something that keeps me going, you know. Because I'm, you know, wherever I am... The idea, the notion that I can get better, that I can reach a new plateau, that I can be a better version of myself, even a much better version, that keeps me going in a big way. And and you could say, well, that has nothing to do with God, family, or religion, or career, but it kind of does, you know? I think when you're living a, a semi- harmonious life everything starts to interconnect and you see that you know your your ambition for journaling if that's something that keeps you going is very connected to God and it's very connected to your family because you're writing for your future progeny to read those things and you're writing to become a better man and to become a better man is to become closer to God. And so, and of course, we all have trivial things that keep us going. You know, whether it's a, a show you really want to keep up with. It's a magazine subscription that you just love. Um, maybe it's a little ice cream shop that <laughs> is a great pick-me-up for you. You know, you have a bad day, you're like, well, I'm going to get a cone. Or... Um, you know, a little a little pizza parlor. You go there when you have a bad day and you get a slice and everything is everything's not suddenly okay, but for a minute it's better. 
Um, and that keeps you going. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, of course, there are destructive things that people think keep them going, but they ultimately retard their progression. Um, but that, that's a whole other topic. But yeah, ultimately, a lot of things keep me going. And <laughs> the last night, actually, I was talking to a close friend of mine, and she said she's very introspective and very attentive to feeling and emotion. And she's always like, when she asks you how you are, she's very genuine and curious and wants to know how you're doing. And so she asked me, she's like, Tay, Tay, how are you really? Like, how, how are you? And I said, um, <laughs> I quoted this, this song lyric that I really like. And I said, but I said it so casually, she probably didn't know it was a song lyric because I, you know, I'm a boss like that. But I said, um, I said, you know, you know me, always up and down, never down and out. And um, it's it's a song I really like. I think it's called, gosh dang it, I can't remember what it's called. The band is Academy, the Academy is, Academy is. Um you can look up those lyrics. It's a good song. Always up and down, never down and out. And um, and I really feel like that. I feel like I've been blessed to never really be deeply, deeply depressed. Um, but I have a lot of waves of sadness. I have a lot of moments of unclarity and moments where I just feel rudderless and lost and deprived and despondent. You know, I, I feel all these things. I think most people do, but I usually don't feel that way for an entire day because I know there are so many things that I can do to get me out of the funk, to remind me that I got a lot of good things going on in my life to there's a lot of things that will jettison these negative emotions and ideas in my head um, if I just do them and you know when, when people are getting into self-help and that kind of stuff there's a lot of kind of formulas and approaches to avoid negative thoughts and avoid self-deprecation and um even depression, right? But at the end of the day, everyone's different. And for me, I've found I need a lot of things I'm interested in <laughs> to stay interested in life. And maybe that sounds sad, but it's it's not. There's just... I, I get bored. I get bored with... I get bored with routine and monotony. And sometimes doing something as different as um, <laughs> wearing an old shirt that I haven't worn for months and have nearly forgot about kind of puts a little pep in my step. Um, ordering something off a menu that I don't normally order. Um, saying something weird at a, at a drive-in. I, I did that today. I went to McDonald's after work and <laughs> I was in kind of a not a bad mood today. I was just in kind of a, a weird headspace where I was overthinking a lot of things in my life right now. Um, but I, yeah, I was generally happy. But 
it wasn't like a magnificent day. And um, so I go to McDonald's, and the guy says, uh, hey, welcome back to McDonald's. And I said, <laughs> I said, dude, what makes you so sure, so confident that I've been to McDonald's before? <laughs> and, of course, I'm just razzing the dude. And he goes, oh, sorry, I just say that to everybody. He's like, most people have been to McDonald's before. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I'm just messing, man. I've definitely been here before. But, and then we, like, when he gave me his food, we chatted for, for a minute about life. And it put a little pep in my step. Damn it. Um, so, yeah, little things like that, just to, just to mix up the day, really makes me happy. And, and keeps me going. I, I really like that question, what keeps you going each day? I think it's a good thing to ask yourself. Um, I'm going to wrap up here, but the last question, last question, this one, this one I might just kind of struggle with, but it says, what is your deepest writing, past or present? And, you know, people often ask me, like, what my favorite writing is, or like, what you know, of my three books, what do I suggest for them? And usually my answer is just kind of like, whatever I've written most recently, that's what I am most proud of. That's what I like the most. That's what I kind of connect with the most. Um, and so with that spirit of things, um, the novel I'm working on right now, like I said, I'm like two to four pages in. And it is the, it is extremely like exoskeleton type stuff. Um, but I'm really proud of it. And I think there's a lot of depth to it. And I want to kind of enter the crack allure of all the little plots and all the little characters and all the little happenings in that little universe I've created and I want to explore it extremely deeply and I'm really excited about that and I don't know what it's going to look like and I don't know what it's going to entail but um, and I'm sure you know people will read stuff from my first book or my second book or a blog post from 2012 or even you know sometimes I kind of write up some random thoughts on an Instagram story and maybe one of those things will be the deepest thing that they've ever read from me. And that's great because depth affects people in different ways. But um, I hope that my deepest writing is is well ahead of me. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it, baby. Those are some those are some good questions. A lot about my writing, which I appreciate. It means people are somewhat interested sometimes I feel like no one is interested but and that's not me you know looking to elicit sympathy I just uh I think any artist can can feel that way sometimes um and um hello to the people I didn't say hello to on Instagram live appreciate you tuning in and sticking with me um I just wanted to try this this was of course a terrible terrible time to do it because I started this podcast at like 12.40 a.m. And I knew I would just get owls joining me. But I appreciate it nonetheless. And um, 
Yeah, listen, I'm really excited for this podcast, where it's going. I got a lot of awesome guests lined up pretty soon. Um, you know, the whole coronavirus thing has made scheduling and meeting up with people a bit of a disaster from time to time. And sometimes it's my fault, right? I'm not blaming people. But um, but yeah, I got a lot of fun guests ahead, and I will be doing these solo episodes from time to time. So honestly, anytime you have questions or you have things you want me to discuss or explore further, um, I'm happy to answer them. So slide in my DMs. Um, you might not hear the answer for a while, but if you follow the podcast, you'll hear them eventually. And if you need to know immediately, then let me know and maybe I'll tell you. So yeah, hit me up on the social. It's at TaylorChurch44. Um, I post these videos on YouTube as well, although I'm terrible at it and am way behind. I need to post a lot of them, but they'll be there. Um, follow me on Twitter if that's your thing, at TaylorChurch44. Um <laughs> and uh, sorry, somebody said an, an excellent comment. Sweet Jenna Bear, I love you too. Um, but uh, yeah, stick with us, subscribe. You know, sh- listen, I can tell you all the things. I can tell you to leave me a nice review on Apple Podcasts. I can tell you to. Uh, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel to like my stuff, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but ultimately, if something moved you and something, or something was funny or something made you smile, share it with somebody that you think would feel the same way. That's all I want. Um... And if you want a little more behind the scenes, a little more whatever, check out my podcast Instagram. That's just of stone and clay podcast. Um, Yeah, so that's it. I love you guys. I appreciate it. Also, apologies for last episode. The audio was terrible. It was my first Zoom episode um, I did with my buddy who lives in Chicago. He had nothing to do with the gun story, by the way. Um. But yeah, we just we just effed up the audio. Um, but it's it's audible. You can hear it. But it's like one of us. <laughs> I don't even remember which. One of us is really quiet, and one of us sounds normal. So it probably sucks if you don't have headphones. But it's probably not that bad with headphones. And it's probably really annoying the first couple minutes, and then you just kind of get used to it. Um, and listen, if I was a big shot, I would have just had somebody come in and edit it, but I don't, I don't have the skills to do that by myself. So I was like, eh, eh, whatever. So apologies for that, but in the future, we'll try to avoid any audio snafus. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. This was episode 25 of, of Stone and Clay with Taylor Church. Every once in a while on this podcast, I get a wild desire to sound like a a really enthusiastic radio host because this is basically radio, right? Um, Modern radio. 
So every once in a while, I want to be like, stay tuned next week with Of Stone and Clay with Taylor Church, and we will explore thoughts of the mind. We will explore tender feelings of the tummy. We will interview Mr. Guy and Mrs. Woman. You know, every once in a while, I have that wild desire. So if I break into that kind of character, just just stick with me, okay? All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. And, um, you know, shout out to the one to seven people that were viewing this on Instagram. You know, it doesn't go unnoticed. Okay. We'll catch you next week-ish.